0: One thing we all know is that we're going to die. And what's the point in in living a life that's really uncomfortable and and filled with self-doubt and and oh, let's just get rid of those shackles. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome back. Today I'm joined by Natalie Lee, the founder of Style Me Sunday and the Warrior Woman Project. In this episode, we talk about how Natalie went from midwife to blogger and how she made the decision to make her post stand for something important to her. She now uses her voice to promote body positivity, irrespective of size, and encourages her followers to share stories and images to illustrate and educate one another on the huge spectrum of different lives led and bodies inhabited. We also touch on some of the topics Natalie has highlighted from masturbating to eschewing bras to naked faces. I am delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Every Girls Cult Hair Care Hero Batiste, which I've been using for years both as a way to absorb grease and also as a styling tool to give my hair a bit of oomph. So thank you for that and for getting behind the podcast, Batiste. Here's Natalie. I always start people in their childhood, so I want to do exactly the same here and go back to your childhood. Now, you grew up with a sing in a single parent mm-hmm. family, yeah, one of three children. Yes, but I was an only child for 14 years. Ah, and then she had twins. I see. Yeah, okay. really bloody annoying. So, what were those first? So, it's you and your mum. Yeah, just the two of you and your mum. Am I right in saying she was a model for a bit? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know, one of those kind of what would you
0: call them? Uh I don't know, I guess you'd call them like kind of page
1: three ish kind okay. of model, right? Okay. Now. Taking yeah. clothes off? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Did you know about that when you were younger? Um I'd seen photos around. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about how you felt about your mum and also the fact that your mum's appearance was something of a commodity to her.
0: Yeah. Um Oh, gosh! Um she always used to wear the best clothes, and she loved makeup she loves makeup mm-hmm. um I just always looked up to her. It was really like she was my whole world, yeah, you know so um that's the that's the only thing I had as a role model mm-hmm. really, and um it was very close, very mm-hmm. tight, and that's caused issues sometimes because when I started to grow up and sort of try and forge my own life, then she was a little bit like, ah, okay. what am I going to do? Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, no, we're, we were very close. I'm not as close now. I've got my own two
1: children of my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Like they take up a lot of my time yeah and the relationship dynamics shift when new people come in don't they yeah they, they um, do in those early years so your mum is someone who's enjoying beauty enjoying makeup mm-hmm. and you did you feel like you looked at her and wanted to emulate her or did you feel that her beauty was something that belonged to her and wasn't your realm oh good question um I definitely wanted to
0: be like her Um, The issue with that is that she's white and I'm mixed race. So there was definitely a part of my childhood where I wanted to be white. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a real shame because there wasn't really... My dad wasn't around, so I wasn't very close with his family Mm -hmm. at all. So I didn't have that many black role models in my life. So
1: that caused some identity issues, I would say. Also, the first thing that's bringing to mind for me is that afro hair is so very different to you know caucasian like long straight hair um so did you did your was your mum quite good at learning how to how to look after your hair how to look after the way you looked um i would say all of the above (laughs) (laughs)
0: um she definitely did learn how to do my hair she became a very very good um cane rowist Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. the word But um, so, yeah, she learnt to plait my hair really well. So Mm -hmm. I used to have those really tiny little plaits. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was always torture having them done. It really hurts. And um, it was always a battle. Lots of tears. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and I grew up in quite a white area. Mm. Where, Um, Where did you grow up? It was... It's not white now, <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> no, enough.
1: It? It's Wembley okay. Okay in um, yeah. North London. Yes, I know it very well. I, I grew up very near that. Did you? Yes, that well.
0: um, Yeah, so uh, it used to be quite white then. Mm. And uh, I definitely felt like, you know, I, I wouldn't have worn my hair natural mm. out. Um, was anyone wearing their hair natural at that point anyway? No, it, wasn't it really anyone? wasn't. I was born in 1980. Yeah. Right. And it was really not the thing then no not at all because it had obviously just changed from like the 60s and 70s where afro hair was really big and you know they they embraced it and then there was this shift Mm. in the 80s and um afro hair was always straightened or it was in plaits Mm. or they wore wigs, you know, it, was,
1: yeah. it wasn't it was embraced at all. It was quite a conservative time as well. I mean, when you got to your teen years and you were kind of, you know, 13 going through puberty and then your mum's pregnant with the twins. Yeah. So you're, I assume that at that point you're feeling like you're going out into the world to some extent. And what did you look like? What did you want to look like? And were you confident? Gosh, thinking back now... Um,
0: I think that was just around a time when I was discovering my femininity mm. my sexual powers um, which was which fills me with fear at the thought of that at the moment but I remember I remember being in a supermarket <laughs> and I was like 13 at the time and just remember like men for the First ever time turning their heads. Yeah. And that was bizarre. Did you enjoy that or did it scare you?
1: Or neither.
0: No, I think I enjoyed the power of it, Mm -hmm. not realising how scary it was. Right. Do you know what I mean? I was too naive to
1: to understand how the ramifications of it yes and if you've had no bad experiences because i similarly would find it so thrilling if someone would look at me and think of me as a woman i had no idea that that could have a negative side or a violent side i didn't know i didn't know about that
0: and actually it makes you feel quite powerful because you've got a tool to manipulate people yeah and as a teenager you know manipulation is quite a big part of it Mm. um
1: so did you amp that side of yourself up? Were you using makeup? Were you styling your hair? Were you into adorning yourself? I started to. Yeah, I started to. Um not hugely, not massively.
0: Mm. Um what would you yeah. look around
1: the time if you had to sort of paint a picture of yourself, what would what would you look like then?
0: Um leggings, mm-hmm. definitely <laughs> leggings. Um leggings and sort of uh, like a sort of mid heel. Mm-hmm. Oh, leggings and heels give me yeah chills. Um, yep. a mid heel and then like a a tight vest top with a net cardigan right. over the top. Okay, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or maybe do you remember when like woolen tank tops over shirts were yes. a thing? Yes. I <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also very dark lip liner was a thing mm, okay. i think i think it might have even been eyeliner used as lip liner lip liner distinctly
1: separate to the color within oh, yes. the lips well yeah. different yeah, yeah 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 that was a time that was a
0: thing yeah
1: um and i definitely i straightened my hair all the time mm mm-hmm. um yeah. Did you feel that if your hair wasn't straight, like if you went and stayed at a boy's house or you ran off with someone and went on holiday or whatever, did you feel that if your hair wasn't straight that you weren't yourself? Obviously, I didn't analyse it at the time, but I yes, there was definitely
0: uh, trepidation in going swimming or anything like that. Yeah. I used to get it chemically straightened. Okay. So I didn't used to, because, mm. um, you know, that lasts a lot longer And um
1: but very damaging. I was gonna say it causes an awful lot of damage. It really does. So okay, so at what point then in your teen years did you did you feel like you started to own the way you looked? I definitely didn't embrace who I was um
0: until much later. Okay. I think after kids that was when I was finally like, What what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why are you trying to hide
1: bits of yourself that are completely you? Tell me about your early twenties and being a midwife. I early twenties, I went
0: travelling. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I, I met my husband uh, when I was sixteen. Wow! Yeah. Where did you meet? <laughs> at school um, just after at school, just after school at Sixth Form College. Okay. And was it an instant connection? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It was absolutely. Actually, I saw him from the back and. Weirdly enough, just from the way he walked, I knew that I wanted to be... Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um I did have to kind of hunt him down a little bit. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't that resistant. But okay. A tiny bit. He played coy for a little while. <laughs> and um so but we we've been together since I was sixteen, but I did mm-hmm. go away travelling. He didn't want to come with me. Mm-hmm. He um He started his career in banking and was really keen to work his way up from a very young age. And um, so I went away with my best friend, did the usual sort of Southeast Asia, Australia and all of that and had a really, really good time Mm travelling. My boyfriend at the time came to see me, Mm -hmm. you know, at various points. And when I came back, I was like, what am I going to do? What... I was thinking maybe I'm going to train to be a nurse because I loved, I got a bug for travelling then. So I wanted to do something that I'd be able to
1: travel with and right. that was a valuable, um, worthwhile job. Yeah, a job that you can do anywhere. What have you been good at at school? What were your skills? Do you know what? I wasn't that, I wasn't particularly good at anything. Mm-hmm. I was
0: one of those real mediocre kind of students. Not particularly bad, but not I didn't excel in anything. Uh, were you ambitious? Did that bother you? I don't think it did bother me. Okay. No. No. It, no. no. It, I wasn't particularly ambitious. I'm not a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, I am quite happy to happy to poodle along mm-hmm. if um, it keeps me out of trouble and mm-hmm.
1: and it's a lot less hassle. Okay. So you decided to become a midwife. Yes. Because you can travel with it. And yeah. did you travel? And how was the process of learning that? I actually didn't travel with it. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. I did go to New Zealand.
0: But, yeah, training to be a midwife was probably one of the hardest things I've ever, d- ever done. Um, In what respect? It, you're studying and you're working at the same time. Mm. The culture... Is
1: hard on students. Okay, they get you to do all the really shitty jobs. Do you remember your first experience of actually helping a child come into the world?
0: Yeah, I remember. Well, not necessarily the first one I did, but mm-hmm. the first birth I ever saw. Besides my mum, I was there yeah. when my mum gave birth to the twins. Wow. Um. So maybe that kind of stuck in my head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. But I remember the first one I ever did as a student midwife and being completely shocked and overwhelmed by the amount of blood involved because it, it it wasn't it kind of went a little bit wrong, so there was a lot more blood than usual okay. and um, I was a little bit traumatized by it, but obviously not enough to stop yeah, so yeah you carried on <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah, it is one of those jobs that if you don't like blood it's Probably not Not the profession for you. Yeah. So did you find it rewarding once you were doing it? Oh, God, I loved it. I loved it because you develop a really strong, quick relationship with people. Obviously, you see them in their most most vulnerable state. Mm. And it's very special. It's very special. Mm. And the the thought of somebody coming in and being really, really bloody scared... Mm And then, feeling empowered and safe and comfortable
1: gives you such a lovely feeling. It's long hours, and you're giving a lot emotionally during that time were you Did you have a lot of resources yourself? Were you quite good at filling up what was depleted from the job in terms of emotional and stress?
0: Mm. that's a good question um I, it was, it was difficult actually. Yeah, I do remember it being very difficult and there were times I used to come home and all I could do was cry. I was exhausted, Mm -hmm. especially when things really didn't go well. It was very difficult to cope with. I still felt quite young at the time Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know how to deal with those emotions properly and I don't think there's really enough support for the parents and for the staff mm. as well, especially when things like stillbirths happen and all um, children are, you know, born unwell. Mm. Um, it is difficult. It is difficult. And yeah, it feels like a lifetime away now, actually. Mm. But I did struggle emotionally with that. I remember being scared a mm. lot of the time. Yeah. Even when everything goes to plan, mm. you know, there's such a fine line, especially, you know, at that kind of pushing stage where it can go from really good to mm. really bad, mm. you know. And I... And it's a huge responsibility. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I do remember just being at, absolutely
1: petrified... A lot of the time. So you had two children then, and um, what, what, am I right in thinking they're both born by cesarean section?
0: They were. Yeah. First one
1: was an emergency cesarean section mm-hmm. after a good long labour. I wanted
0: to do uh, a pool birth, and because I know how lovely they are, they mm-hmm. are really really special. Um, but it just wasn't happening, okay. and uh, ended up with an emergency cesarean, um, which also. In hindsight felt i I felt like my body let me down in a way, yeah and um yeah, I struggled with that, and then I struggled with my body image after that, mm. which is probably all tied up um and then the second one, I opted for an elective cesarean section, right um just because you know i I've already done it that way mm. once what's the point in trying another way? It wasn't something that I was aware of at all. It's only something latterly that I've really reflected on and thought, oh, yeah, you did, you know, really struggle with your self-image then and, you know, just tried to sort of analyse it a bit more. I think as a woman, you know, you you think of childbirth as something that's completely natural Mm. and when it doesn't go to plan it does hit you hard even though you know it often doesn't go to plan
1: yeah and you it, particularly yeah knew it doesn't I, yeah. yeah yeah exactly
0: at the time I was like oh this is absolutely fine yeah. you know I, I knew what was happening I wasn't freaking out mm. um but it's only sort of a long time afterwards that I've analyzed it that I've
1: realized uh actually I did have some issues <laughs> As this episode is kindly powered by Batiste, I thought I'd share a tip on how to get the most out of your can. Now, the first thing I have to say is that Batiste have a new range out that's designed to make you rethink dry shampoo. The collection consists of five dry shampoos, but with added benefits tailored to suit your hair needs, whether you have, say, flyaways or limp and fine hair or fried and dried ends. The range includes hydrate, damage control, which, by the way, is the one I have on my shelf right now, volume, defrizz and color protect and each of them is lightweight and invisible and you can easily pick your can up in any boots or super drug stores here's the tip to get the best out of it for an even distribution of batiste through your hair spray it not directly onto your head but onto your hairbrush and then comb it through it gives you loads of control and i've seen so many hairdressers backstage at fashion week shows doing just that to add texture and volume in a spritz Your eldest daughter's visually impaired, mm-hmm. and then so you have said that you basically decided to spend more time at home, and the midwifery was kind of edged out. Midwifery, mid-wifery yeah. sorry, <laughs> all right. midwifery was edged out by that, and you then started to blog. Yeah, at that point, yeah. Um, so when I was
0: on maternity leave, my daughter was very ill as a child. We didn't know what was what was up. Mm. Um, And then I did try to go back for a little time and it just wasn't working Mm. out. I just kept having to take days off. I started my blog when I became pregnant with my second one. Mm -hmm. And she is like six and a half now. Mm -hmm. So this was over seven years ago. And I just thought, you know... If I am going to do this thing, be a stay-at-home mum, yeah. I've got to have something else. Yeah. Because, yeah, i yeah, will yeah. get a bit stir-crazy. I just wanted to do something for myself it okay. had been a long time with nappies and, you know, potty training and all that jazz. So what year did you start your blog? Uh,
1: seven years ago. Okay. 2012. Was it, was it an instant success? Um, well, people reading it, rather, initially think so
0: yeah i actually started with somebody else mm. we were quite prolific in like five blog posts a week and okay. yeah what were your blog posts about at that point more it was it was more maternity clothes at the start and kids clothes mm-hmm. general fashion
1: and have you ever been interested in writing because your your tone and your style is 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 very developed now so is that something that you think that you've just oh gosh practice yeah yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, my, oh, yeah, I'm. My grammar's still quite atrocious, I think, but um does none I of, of the I've No, Is it, that's that has definitely improved over time. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, my my writing was awful. I I, I wrote as I spoke, and um I. Yeah, English and grammar has never been my shift. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think it should stop you writing. Absolutely But there is definitely a sort of snobbery in terms of English
1: and, you know... I think there is, to an extent, but I also think it's slightly shifting as someone who is maybe on the other side where I was obsessed with, you know, traditional literature and wrote as if I were in the 19th century. <laughs> and then when I got to things, people were like, this is not relatable. You're just done like a run-on sentence that's been like 18 lines. And I was like, oh, but, you know, Austen did it all the time. <laughs> and then, you know. So actually, I think both sides are coming together to quite a nice spot where you can write, you and write. Yeah, yeah. I do. I really do. And I actually think that it is incredible, ridiculous snobbery, and it means absolutely nothing. I think the main thing is communication. So if, you, if people yeah. get what you mean... And obviously, it's coherent. Yeah, that's the important thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah I agree. Yeah, um, I've had no no you know journalistic training or
1: anything. But, yeah, um, that doesn't mean that I can't communicate. Absolutely not. No. So then, you were talking at this point about your life, effectively, and the things that you were buying, the things that you were engaged. Yeah. In. And at what point did it become more... fashion-based. And fashion, okay. Mm. And so at what point did it become more of a mission? And also, did you suffer from any imposter syndrome at all because you're writing about something that you weren't trained in? I don't think there's an issue with that, but, you know, I know that it can play on your mind when you're sending stuff out into the world from a place where you haven't trained.
0: Yeah, I think I've always always struggled with imposter syndrome as most women have, I think, or do. But I was getting good feedback. And I think when you get good feedback, it kind of spurs you on to do more. So that was really
1: encouraging. Mm. So what did you start to write about then? Tell me when it went from being buy this or I'm buying this to what I do now. Yeah. Let's talk about stuff.
0: I think it, it took a turn. So it took a turn. I took, I would say, close to a year out when my eldest daughter was diagnosed with a rare condition called Mm -hmm. brittle cornea syndrome, which means that the fronts of her eyes are very fragile. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If she gets a knock to the eye, she could instantly be blinded. She's blind in one eye at the moment and extremely short-sighted in the other one. So, um, How does she manage that? Does she have to wear something to protect her eyes? She wears glasses, um, which are which work twofold, you know, help her Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. and also a form of protection. Yeah. Um, But she can't do, you know, contact sports and things like that, which is quite annoying for her. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I had some time out and I needed... I reflected. I Mm -hmm. reflected quite a lot during that time. And I didn't want to come back to blogging and for it to be as superficial as it had been Mm -hmm. and um, I knew knew that I wanted to go a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. and actually do something that was more nourishing Mm -hmm. and maybe go back to those feelings that I got when I used to be a midwife and you know really empower women and do
1: something useful. Now there's, in my head then when I was hearing you say that, part of me wanted to go, hang on, but Sometimes lipstick's empowering and sometimes fashion's empowering. And I know you think that too, but there is a slight rub there. And and I think that people can level a lot of prejudices at talking about, on the one hand, empowerment, and on the other hand, lipstick. So how do you merge the two? And do you think there's an issue there? No, I don't think there is an issue. So
0: I I was never going to say I I don't want to do fashion anymore Mm. or makeup or anything like that bloody love it and i and i would never ever want to stop doing it but for me i wanted to add in another element that helped me feel more fulfilled yeah and um and that's just a personal thing it's and 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 i guess it was just because
1: of everything i'd gone through Mm. it's really resonated though the things you say really resonate you get a lot of feedback i imagine you must get scores of messages um i have written down some of the topics that you've covered. I was going to say, don't remind me of stuff I've said. Um, I I don't... Unfortunately, I don't have quotes. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) However, I wanted to sort of talk a little bit... a little bit about each of these. Okay. So the first being body size. Yeah, I talk from my perspective
0: and um, I try not to just follow what everyone else is doing and jump on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. And that's when I always think about like let, let's go back to me and think about how i really feel mm. so my warrior woman project that i started yes. was all about empowering women to feel good and comfortable in their in their bodies no matter what size they were actually it doesn't matter what size you are you can have body image issues whatever the size yes. and that's where i'm coming from more because mm. i i just i just feel like there wasn't that that wasn't really being said for anyone and women felt that if they were small and like a size eight that they couldn't actually speak out and say I've got body image issues too and I'm really struggling and that's one of the things you know from doing my um, warrior woman project that was one of the things that became so apparent to me Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't the ones who were necessarily bigger that actually struggled to... Because we did a big whole photo shoot day Mm -hmm. and I asked women to take as much clothes off as they felt comfortable with. And the ones that really struggled often were the ones who (laughs) who you would look at and think, oh, they have a perfect figure. But, you know, they had come from, you know, eating disorders and, and really struggled, like, really badly. Yeah. With taking their clothes off, and where was the space that gave them a voice too? Yeah. And I understand what the body positive movement is going to say, that they haven't been discriminated against due to their size, and that's true. But it doesn't mean that psychologically you
1: don't have issues. When you're talking about it, you are still a human with your own issues. So how have you, have you found resolution or are you you a place where you're quite happy and how have you done that and how would you suggest other people do it?
0: I mean, I am never going to sit here and say I'm 100% confident with my body. I don't think anyone can honestly do that Mm -hmm. because we're conditioned from a very, very young age to not like who we are it's easier to hate your body than to love it so yeah. my body confidence goes up and down all the time and often that's related to what's going on in my life um but it's definitely a hell lot better than it was yeah um after I had my children you know in the early days mm-hmm. and I think that you know social media has been very instrumental in that mm-hmm. I have followed those accounts that have struck a chord with me and really helped me embrace my body and it's ever changing and evolving size <laughs> and um reading more you know reading mm-hmm. books, you know reading body Posse pandas book mm-hmm. reading um i uh, can't remember what it's called it something to do with beauty standards yeah um just just looking at the topic more mm-hmm. and you know. The theories and 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 the discussion, it just slowly starts to seep in, yeah. and and it really does, it, it really does help, and and whether you like it or not,
1: through osmosis, it it helps. I'd also imagine that once you're involved in a conversation with people, and you're seeing people who look ostensibly perfect, or you know, um, closer to what advertising was set out as being the ideal body, they're not. They feel the same thing. So yeah. then suddenly you're like actually shit everyone's in the same yeah. boat really yeah yeah
0: and also you know one thing we all know is that we're going to die and what's the point in in living a life that's really uncomfortable and and filled with self doubt and and i just like oh, let's just get rid of those shackles and actually just start living and there is a certain Mindset and a click, and and I often, if I feel myself reverting back to my old ways and oh, sucking in my stomach as I'm having a photo taken, or <laughs> you know, yeah, um, or trying to to like manipulate myself into a pair of really uncomfortable spanks, I will go hold on. What am I doing here? Who am I trying to impress? Who am I doing this for? Yeah, because actually my shape is okay
1: as it is and so is everyone else's it's very hard though to unpick the idea of what is beautiful from when you're younger everything i saw when i was younger every beautiful woman had you know glossy hair um perfect skin uh, a small waist you know they were toned they this and that that to me is is the ideal absolutely it's still there i'm never going to well it would take an awful lot of work for me to look like that like an awful lot too much work. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. But still, in my head, when you said not sucking in your stomach for a picture, I thought, me, I do that every <laughs> time. I could never it's, not do that. I know. Yeah. And that's the thing.
0: So, you know, my biggest piece of advice, and you're right about, you know, the glossy hair and the toned body, but, you know, I've got Afro hair, and I never thought I could wear it out naturally. Mm-hmm. But once you push yourself... And walk out of the house or have a photo taken and don't suck in your stomach. Yeah. You know, you get used to that. It becomes easier if you make those small steps. Yes. And then you're like, well, if you stop sucking in your stomach, you start seeing your natural form Mm -hmm. more regularly. And then it becomes the norm.
1: Let's talk about masturbation. You have had some issues with Instagram accepting that as a topic or um, you're hinting at it in pictures, but you've also had loads of feedback from people going, my God, why isn't anyone talking about masturbation? So, but but it is something that 10 years ago, I'd never even said the word in an interview. So, I mean, there's progress happening. And well done for saying it without giggling. I, I, I'm slightly <laughs> giggling, I'm slightly stuck. <laughs> <smiling. laughs> but
0: yes. Yeah. Um see this is just another facet of body image to me um and I hate using the word self-love because that's so cringy these days but it is it is about getting to know your body it's about and I wish you know I wish I had started earlier Mm. I really do I um I discovered my body through somebody else touching my body. Yeah. I didn't discover it on my own. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where things were, and I think that's a real shame. I think there's not enough. We're not we're not talking to young girls enough about it's okay and it's not shameful to touch your own body. Explore it as long as it's done in private. There's <laughs> nothing, you know. I don't want you to <laughs> do it walking down the street, but there is nothing wrong with learning what you like what you don't like and i just feel like it can only help in your your own confidence in your body mm. and in future
1: relationships it is completely the case though that men are you know masturbation among men is joked about it's part of just the norm you know like a teenage boy where is he probably masturbating fine you would not say that about a woman, or people don't no. say that about women. And also, there is this implied thing of a woman enjoying herself, even in bed, being slightly taboo. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but it definitely is, and it's it's a very strange thing because for men, it's absolutely fine. So I feel like it's also a really gendered issue. Oh God, it really is. Yeah, and also
0: you know, sex education in schools they talk about masturbation with boys but mm. not with with girls do they not no so ridiculous. yeah it is absolutely ridiculous and there's so many points to yeah. to what you've just said and also before like a long time ago there used to be a school of thought that women had to enjoy sex or have mm-hmm. orgasms in order to be- become pregnant yes and fuck knows who the person was that discovered that that wasn't true, which is really bloody annoying, but um, I would disagree that, you know, it really is a very important part, Yeah, and um, yeah, I think somebody offered, I once did um, a post about it, and somebody offered a theory that because women's pleasure has no biological necessity, Mm -hmm. it doesn't it gets overlooked yes. and it, it's deemed as unnecessary.
1: Yeah. So that could be an explanation. Yeah. Almost like a luxury. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just a sort of sideline. And it's, it, it seems to me also to be slightly ridiculous that at school, one of the main messages or one of the main messages I had is, don't get pregnant. If you're going to have sex, Absolutely. do not get pregnant. Yeah, Masturbation's a nice alternative, you know, to not getting pregnant. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's safe. It's, yeah.
0: you know, it's unlikely to be traumatising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a, you know, and it also, it empowers women to, I hope, be able to vocalise what they do like and yep. don't like. Completely. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. Big fan. And <laughs> I... Yeah, I wish I'd found it earlier, for sure. Tell me about being braless. Let's talk about bralessness. Um, So I once did, I think what you're referring to is I once did a post about, and I haven't got small boobs. They are 34DD, in case you were wondering. Mm. Um, I once did a post about I wanted to go out of the house without my bra on, but actually I was really scared about men looking at me. Just Um, men? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I didn't think, oh, what would that woman think? Right. Um, no, it was definitely men. And whether I would get unwanted attention. Okay. And I thought, ah, what bullshit that is, basically. And how annoying that I am changing, inhibiting my behaviour mm-hmm. in order... Because I'm doing something out of fear. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went out without the bra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I did get a few looks. <laughs> but I managed... And it, and it actually was really scary. It mm-hmm. was really scary. Mm-hmm. But um, not as scary as I thought it would be. Okay. Okay. And, and i thought a lot about this. I have thought a lot about ways of seeing and how we're so conditioned to see ourselves through how a man sees us. Mm-hmm.
1: And that often manipulates um, our behaviours. The reason I asked you whether it was men or women is because I am a big fan of not wearing a bra, but I have small boobs i'm a b i'm 32 or 34 b so basically my boobs aren't huge and i don't actually need to wear bra Mm -hmm. but i do a because i don't know society i've just sort of started wearing one and also because a lot of fashion things and i really like fashion they'll wear see-through tops and you can kind of see a nipple or you see the color of a nipple and that to me felt really i don't know embarrassing or, or just taboo somehow i'm sort of getting around to the idea that maybe it isn't yeah but it's not about men for me per se it's just about other people i suppose though because i've never had boobs that have attracted the male gaze so i don't have that relationship with men where i've ever been looked at yeah uh, my boobs have ever been looked at so that doesn't bother me well you have but but (laughs) yeah in bed but no one no one's ever walked down the street and looked at my boobs it's just not a thing yeah so um so it's a slightly different relationship with them but i think just not wearing a bra because women wear bras. That's what they do. It seems to be quite an interesting thing and actually I I was glad that you talked about that.
0: Yeah, it and it's definitely uh involved in gender politics. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that's quite um I would say well feminists burnt their bras, didn't they? So mm-hmm. there's a very there's a very big sort of connotations to bras, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah yeah it's difficult there's a lot to unpack really there's a lot yeah i'm just thinking about it stretch marks
1: yeah having them very normal whether someone's had children or not but not very normal to see them we need to see more women's bodies we need to see more
0: textures Mm. of women's skin i think you know we're so used to um face tuning now that actually all we see is very unblemished skin yeah. and that's not doing us any favors at all in mm-hmm. terms of mental health
1: do you okay so detractors from instagram or detractors from um people who work online often say often question whether it really makes a difference seeing those things my experience is yes it absolutely does just even thinking about looking at your account and feeling like i've seen things and thought oh you're right you're absolutely right you know but do you see a lot of do you have a lot of people coming to you and saying things like that they have felt better about themselves and that sort of absolutely thing. absolutely shit yeah yeah i'm always always
0: getting messages of people saying thank you so much you've got a stomach just like mine. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so hard on myself, but I'm going to try and see myself in a new light now. Mm. Um, I once got um, a email from a lady who said, I haven't worn a pair of shorts in 10 years. And I saw your photos and I went out in the summer with shorts on. And you know what? It's made the biggest amount of difference. Yeah. And, you know... You go out and the world keeps turning. People people aren't all looking at you because you're wearing a pair of shorts or you're wearing a bikini. Yeah. And that's, that's such a mind shift. Um, but once you're brave enough to do it, you realise that actually,
1: you know, everyone else
0: is interested in them in yeah. what they're looking <laughs> like. Then they don't care what they Do you know what like?
1: I always think whenever I think about naked bodies is actually when you just have your own by itself and you, you know and you're getting it out for someone it can feel quite intimidating but when you see any of those adverts where there's hundreds of naked bodies even though they're all different colors and sizes they look kind of the same yeah like exactly they like, are all just sort of mountains of flesh like it's not actually Absolutely. that exciting in a way when you no. see it like that and that's one of the things
0: that i am trying to do yeah you know the more nakedness i show the less i want you to think about your body yeah, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and it's and it's true. There are studies that show that if we the the more different types of bodies we
1: see, the better we feel about ourselves. I want to know about your routine, your beauty routine, the things you use, and also how you use it. Because if you're enjoying your naked, raw self, which is great, but then you think. I'm going out tonight and I'm going to wear lipstick and loads of makeup. Um, where does that come from? Does that come from just a place of I'm just going to have some fun with my face?
0: Yeah, it become, it's creative, I feel. Mm. when I, um, I really enjoy the ritual of getting ready and putting on makeup. I used to love watching my mum put makeup on. <coughs> and there's something quite magical about that time. I'll put on some music and you know just really enjoy it and indulging it yeah and also trying lots of different colors I like bright colors so you love a lipstick yeah I love bright lipsticks but that's usually if I haven't really got much time right and I'll just put on a really bright lipstick Mm -hmm. if I've got a little bit more time I'll try some bright orange eyeshadow Mm -hmm. or purple or red are you always drawn to bright colours or do you ever do like a muted like a big smoky eye with nude lips I would probably get somebody else to do that on me because that doesn't like make my creative side sort of satisfied by doing that Mm -hmm. so yeah i i feel like i would like somebody else to do the smoky eye and then they'd probably do a much better job than i could
1: can you outline to me then on a day when you don't have much time like say a a school day taking your kids to school lots of work on you know the normal pitter-patter day what your beauty routine looks like and what you use and then give me an alternative for when you have two hours to get ready see i always feel a little bit like
0: um well a bit bit of an imposter now (laughs) when i get interviewed by any beauty journalists or bloggers or anything because Mm. i'm the laziest person in terms of beauty routine so but
1: include fitness into that and include wellness maybe okay is a much maligned well well so, for example, today yes. I've got no
0: makeup on mm-hmm. and um, I I barely even washed mm-hmm. my face this morning. But I just put on some really hydrating moisturiser and that moisturiser can change. Depends yeah. on what I'm sent, really.
1: Okay. I, I will just what, you don't opt, about opt for anything. Do you use serums, SPFs, anything like
0: that? I will do if I've got them hanging around the okay. house. Um, I do always try to use um an spf yeah have you ever had problem skin no um not really right blackheads you know yeah so you have have normal skin yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, on your face yeah Yeah, i've never had sort of acne or any of those or rosacea or anything like that
1: no um do you moisturize your body i should do
0: but um Usually only like if I'm going out and you can see my legs I'll have to whack on some okay. moisturizer.
1: So no not really. It's interesting that you say you should do it because I do it, I moisturize my body religiously. Do you? Twice a day. Do you? I love doing it. I do not do it for anyone else. No one else really cares. I just love it. Really? Yeah. I, I can't understand
0: how anyone could love it. I I, I find also it so
1: boring. Oh no, I also exfoliate almost every time I get it. I do love you? it. Yeah, I I have said this before, but I think that I would be an ideal candidate for someone like Hannibal Lecter to kill and make a out of because I think maybe because my face was blemished, my body being yeah. Soft became a thing to me. It is truly not for anyone else. I just love. love How often doing it. do you exfoliate your body? Well, today, for example, I triple exfoliated. So what? I, yeah, but I really enjoy is it. Is that it's, good for you? I mean, you can't do that every day, but it's. Yeah. I like. I body brushed, then I used a granular scrub in the shower, and then I used an exfoliating mitt. And afterwards, Lord. put my moisturiser on. and I was like, holy Moses! I'm soft. I just love it. So, so when you said I should do, I felt like. No, don't do it for anyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. But if it if it resonates so that for me, my makeup is almost done for other people. Like not always. Right. You know, the process of putting it on is definitely for me. But maybe some days I wouldn't put it on if I didn't feel that I should put it on. Yeah. But So do you wear sorry, so <laughs> yeah. do you wear makeup every single day? No, absolutely not. Um, my husband well, I mean, I didn't wear any makeup yesterday. I don't wear makeup for my husband. I don't wear makeup for my good friends but then at the same time if someone was coming around to watch a film to me it's part of getting ready it's like putting on clothes i very much got a version of me that is working on my laptop wearing glasses no makeup on and couldn't care less this is going to sound ludicrous but you know those makeover films so there's a before and after I do that almost every day to myself <laughs> it's like that's my standard process so that's like the kind of raw me and it's not all about like wearing loads I don't wear loads of makeup yeah. but it's like just the little things Like there are like yeah. eight things I do that take me from you know that so anyway you know I just have I have that kind of duality in my life wow um, uh, your, I must admit your eyebrows are spectacular my eyebrows are naked because this is my world. Oh, okay. I don't know this is slightly because I keep seeing people No, they look great they're completely naked. This they look brilliant. Which means more to me because I plucked them all off like 10 years yeah, ago, like as everyone did. And yeah. I've been going them back. I mean, I use stuff to help them grow. But anyway, I'm this is my crusade. It's a small crusade. But yeah. I feel like I just want people to not feel embarrassed about their eyebrows not being completely and utterly like drawn in and perfect. Yeah. It just, Somebody called oh. mine feral the other day. Oh, I no, love, I was just thinking I, I like your eyebrows. No, I liked that. And, yeah. and, you know,
0: there is definitely that move, isn't there, towards yeah. more un... I mean, I. What's the word? Really um, hope hemp. so. Yeah, I
1: really hope so. There
0: is a woman on Instagram who I follow who who has got a uni brow. Do you call yeah. it uni or mono? Mono. Mono brow. Could be uni. And um, I am obsessed with her I look. Really? It looks
1: so good. Oh, yeah. I love like that. I, I, I can't, I can't remember tears. what yeah, what yeah. kind of thing is, but yeah, it looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like that. But listen. Is... But that said, okay, I have a thing. I'm fine to let my brows, but my moustache and my chin hairs they're out of there, like, as soon as they're out. Do, how do you feel about them? Yeah, I, I'm i the same, actually.
0: Mm. Um I think I've got a really tricky relationship with hair. Mm. And I think, you know, many, many aspects of feminism I can embrace, but I still shave and I still pluck my chin hairs uh-huh. and I still shave my moustache hair yeah but um with a shaver or one of those I'd use a shaver yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah um because it doesn't grow back thicker it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. um I used to I remember growing up I used to imac it and then yeah. you know sometimes you used to leave it on too long yeah. and then you used to get that burn yeah. mark yeah. across yeah, your yeah. top lip yeah oh
1: I've done all the things so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um but yeah,
1: still, I I can't embrace that. It's hard, isn't it? Because yeah. partly, I think people expect you to be... Or not people expect you to suppose I set myself up to be a perfect feminist. But then I'm like, what is that? Like, am yeah. I meant to be unhappy with what I see in the mirror to be a good feminist? Like, But it's, I, it's and I think, you know what? There's no point in...
0: You don't have to be all of something. And your version... Of it is very individual to you, yeah. and I, I'm not. I'm not going to feel guilty about mm. it because mm. you know that just kind of goes against the whole the whole philosophy. point. Tell me about your hair then, on an average day. So at the moment, I've got it in Mm plaits. And so if I'm going to an event like um, tonight, I'm going out for an event. So it's easier if I I wash it at the weekend Mm -hmm. because it takes bloody ages to wash my hair. Mm -hmm. I wash it and um, I'm trying a new one at the moment. Mm -hmm. Again, really doesn't matter. I'm not.
1: Fosse. but do you use um products that are specifically made for afro hair or do you just use yeah i do tend to okay fine yeah so, so
0: shampoo,
1: shampoo and conditioner
0: shampoo and conditioner yeah. and um i really like the Cantu range yes that's for kids i like the one for kids mm. um that's really good yeah and comb it all through and then
1: i plait it mm-hmm. and then in the evening just before i go out i'll unplait it and and yeah it out okay and um what else are you doing then so an average day sounds like it's pretty low maintenance
0: yeah although i do look i've got like long nails yes i do like
1: my acrylic nails so yeah. that's some maintenance can you do stuff with them on yeah you, I, get,
0: you get so used to do it do you i've yeah.
1: never got used i can't Good do enough. it no i have to have my nails short and really like i really like i really like off yeah I'm yeah really light long now, so. they are properly pink um
0: they are yeah but I was wearing a red dress to an event and I love the clash of red oh and yeah pink. yeah yeah.
1: so that's yeah, where great pink. do you dress up when you're at home and no one's going to see you I mean I, when I say dress up I just mean do you dress in a way that you feel you wouldn't mind being seen in or do you are you someone who has like a version of you that's dressed up and a version of you that's not dressed up
0: um I mean this is my dog walking attire. Mm-hmm. So this is like a overgrown baby, yeah. baby grow. Looks enormously comfy. And it is so comfortable yeah. beyond nine and it's great. Um this is about as close as it gets to really sort of, you know, indoor wear. Yeah. Okay. I I never wear jogging bottoms. I'm not a sort of tracksuit bottoms kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Um I like to I like to dress mostly quite nicely yeah um i would say um as long as it's comfortable that's why i wear a lot of dresses Mm -hmm. i wear a lot of dresses just because it's so
1: easy to pull on and you know but that's become such a big movement and it's great dresses are easier and more comfortable and so much easier it's just a nice thing to be able to put a dress on really i think that years of like trying to get jeans to like do up in the right way and fit in the right way I mean I still wear jeans but you know yeah I I do wear jeans they're harder they are they're um, (laughs) not as comfortable are they no stresses and then in the evening um are you a bath then cleanse then are you quite ritualistic I love having baths I have baths most
0: evenings yeah and um yeah I will just just get some face wash whatever I've got what goes in your bath usually bubble bath do you have a like a Redox, just a okay. Redox one. Um, How long are you in there, nothing there for? Nothing fancy. Depends on the kids, really. Okay. Usually they like come and jump in,
1: which is really annoying. Yeah. Um, do you read in the bath, or do you just sort of zone out?
0: No, I often um, listen to a podcast in right. the bath. I love podcasts, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I try and try and spend as long as possible before it gets cold yeah. in the
1: bath. Yeah, okay, so you have a bath then, you cleanse. I will wash my face in the bath. Oh, what do you wash it with? <laughs> just a face wash. Yes. Okay, go on. <laughs> no, I love it, you've wash got my great face... skin, I'm like, I don't know how you do this. Wash my yeah. face in the bath, is that yeah. a real no-no? It's not a no-no, but it's just that you you, you don't seem to labour. Skincare, it no. just—it's just something that seems to happen. Yeah, and I guess yeah. that is that does that comes with the
0: luxury of having yeah. you know decent skin, decent yeah. skin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's never really
1: been something I've thought about.
0: Yeah, and then then just moisturize as soon you know moisturize my face
1: after I get out yeah. of the bath and then that's it and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and when you have more time, sort of favorite products you use, favorite colors. Um,
0: I love that neon cleanser that. Um, yeah, yeah, really like that. Mm-hmm. I actually had uh, an interior interior um, blogger come around the other day. Yeah, I'm quite un um, unemotionally un- attached to things, mm-hmm. and that that will include products as well. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I can take it or leave them, and, and um, you know, there's not. I guess except my Mac lipsticks, there's not anything that I couldn't not I couldn't live without.
1: Really? Yeah. But you do like exercise a lot, mm. um, and you dance. Yeah. How often do you do that? So I've
0: uh, I've been dancing now for just over a year. Okay. Uh, I found this really great um, company called Dancebox. Box, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, they here. Yeah, Indeed, they yeah. are in Ilford, she mm-hmm. is currently. And I am addicted. I go three to four times a week. Great. In the evenings? Yeah, uh, it's different. Okay. It depends. So she has all different times of classes. Right. And I just try and fit it in as, as around my work. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. And it's really, really great exercise. Yeah. Sweating by the end of it.
1: So you get the sweat, but you also get the fun. Yeah. Which is the ideal kind of exercise, because it's so punishing for so many people. and such an unpleasant thing, so it's nice. It really is. Yeah, yeah.
0: And for, for, you know, basically my whole life, I've been doing exercise because I think I should do it. Yeah. And you're right. It's punishing. It's brutal. It's something that takes a whole lot of bloody motivation to do. Mm. And it's so nice to actually work my life around, you know, I just love it so much that I'm trying to fit it in as much as I can.
1: I had an interesting moment here because I was was thinking about coming here to interview you on my way and um, I'm wearing a kind of short skirt. And when I left my house, um, I thought, I feel a bit fat in this. I feel a bit gross, right? And, um, and just because just I do and I haven't done much exercise and I've been working long hours, I've been eating sugar and I just don't feel like my usual self. Yeah. Anyway, I felt a bit crap. And then when I got to the other end, um, I ran because I was running slightly late. And actually, I had this moment of thinking, I've been meaning to go for a run for three weeks, right? I'm not a runner, but just do something that gets yeah. my heart rate going. Mm. And then I was running here out of necessity, and it felt really bloody good, and I forgot. Did it? Yeah, and yeah. I forgot that I felt a bit fat. Yeah, and actually, and like I'm not going to say that it was like a lovely moment for me. Like no, I was like everything a turned lot. around. Yeah, it wasn't like a cinematic, you know, epiphany. But I did have this moment of running and thinking, "This is really nice. Why do I avoid this? Like, why do I avoid moving? Like, it's nice to be in your body and do that. And actually." You do forget the the yeah. perceived imperfections. You forget them when you're moving. You do. You absolutely
0: do. And you get out of the habit of it. And I think when that happens, it's really hard to remember. You know the endorphin high you get. I yeah. I remember. Pe- <laughs> I remember hearing people say about this endorphin high. And I used to go to the gym, mm. especially when I was like, you know, I did that whole slimming down for the wedding day, like, yeah. like obsessively eating. Protein, high protein and low carbs, and and I remember thinking, who are these people who talk about this endorphin high? It's absolute bollocks. I have never ever enjoyed doing exercise in my whole life, and now I'm like, endorphin high. I'm like
1: basically on the ceiling after yeah. dance but do you know what it's totally i've had a similar thing with eating healthily i mean like i said i'm eating loads of sugar at the moment but when i discovered eating healthily um, and feeling good i was like this is better i feel better i have more energy i don't understand part of me feels like one of the big lies we've been so- sold is that sugar and alcohol are really great stress relievers when actually exercise and cooking a balanced meal is a good stress reliever it's just not as Cool <laughs> it's not yeah, probably not. It's a different And thing. and that goes back to another
0: aspect of self love mm. and I think you know when you do truly really feel comfortable with yourself mm. and what you you want to provide your your body with stuff that makes you feel good, mm. and you're not using either exercise or food in a punishing way, mm. and I think that's you know that is really enlightening to me because you can be whatever size and you can still you know eat
1: food that makes you feel good and that's not just sugary food completely well that seems like a wonderful note to finish on thank you so much for coming on the show thank you for coming yeah that was great thank you for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed it and thank you again to this week's sponsor batiste I'll be back next week with a new guest, so see you then. Bye.